Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we're taking a look at how we create an environment that encourages productivity. Whether you're trying to write or trying to maintain a happy set, it can be all too easy to get sidetracked by everything around us. That's why we wanted to talk about how we make a space that keeps morale high or stops us from opening a new tab. So, let's get into it. All right, Nate, here we are, week nine, talking about creative environments and and places in which we can be productive, which is something I definitely struggle with, uh, mostly in terms of the writing side of things, because, you know, it's so easy to, when you're writing something, you're usually writing on a laptop, and then it's so easy to just, oh, I wonder if there's any new YouTube videos I can look at and just click away. Uh, and there's just so much that goes into being productive and without getting distracted and things like that. So, uh, what are your experiences in environments that are both productive or counterproductive, whether it's, you know, writing or, or on set or anything like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I want to say yes, episode nine, big deal for us. <laughs> uh, but to jump right into it, because I guess that's what we're doing here on uh, Write That Down. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I think it's I think it's important to talk about the fact that you know a productive environment uh, can either be you know your own space that you are productive in, uh, which can include other people in that space. Uh, an organization and stuff like that, but it can also include the type of people you're working with in that environment, right? And so I think this is a multifaceted uh, question, not even question, talking point that we're going to be trying to tackle through through this podcast. And so I think that's why it's going to be a fun one to chat with you about. Sure, um, yeah. Now that I've rambled on for a little bit, can you reiterate on that question so that uh, I can try a little harder to put forth a better answer? <laughs> Sure. Well, I, I do want to just add on to that point you, you talk about, you know, people that you're around that can make you productive or not productive. Uh, do you remember our senior year when we would work in the communication office because we had keys because we were doing thesis stuff? That's right. We were, uh, special, we were special students. And, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. We would just go in at like 7 p.m. and work for like five hours. Yep. And if it was just us, we were usually pretty productive working, working on our own things. But then if like our other housemates, like Evan right. uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> of Episode 8 fame Full would, blast. or Episode 7 fame would yeah. come in yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Owen and Jacob Owen, or other uh, people would come in, it would... It would devolve. It would not be as productive. But it was so funny because we would be working there and we would do our hardest, our darndest to invite invite everyone back into the space, which we knew would make us more unproductive. But just having good people around you and laughing, it meant the world. I mean, it was probably better that we could laugh with our friends in that moment than actually be productive for that 15 minutes that we wasted probably. Yeah, it was it was just the vibes, the vibes of that you know obscenely warm room. Oh, it was, and there was uh, no windows. It was like it was kind yeah. of like not to put it on full blast, but that space was a little dungeon like, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was very warm. It was very warm. Anyways, we're definitely yeah. off topic, but that's okay. Productive, <laughs> but it, it, it's somewhat related, you know, because because. Uh, you know, productive environments. Uh, ba- basically, what I was trying to get at uh, was uh, 
what other experiences do you have? Do you have anything that comes to mind uh, if you're on set or just writing something where you were able to just zone and get it done without getting distracted? Or were, can you think of any specific times on the other end of the spectrum? Right, right. Well, um, I mean, our, the type of projects that I do differ from the type of projects that you are doing. And, and so in that, I think for me, I am most productive when I am in control and I can, uh, like, for instance, if I'm doing a video shoot for something, whether that's some sort of real estate video or something like that, and I have people that I'm working with, uh, and I know the the type of environment we're in, it's usually going to be fast paced. Uh, we got to get as many shots and we got to do everything as perfect as we can in the time frame that is allotted, which means that somebody has to step up. And if my partner is not going to step up or if the other people who are organizing the shoot aren't stepping up, then in order for for it to be productive for me and make that environment productive. Uh, again, a lot of times this is outside of the studio. This is like in the field. Um, you know, I'm, I'm taking control. Yeah. And so for me, that's, that's productive. Uh, now specific examples, um, you know, projects in college, usually you're working with friends. So it's a little more difficult or there's more of a gray area of how to control, uh, take control of the situation, uh, and, 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 um, the timing of, of your shots and everything like that with your friends. Cause a lot of times you can easily get off track, uh, joking around and having fun, which is just as important. Right. Um, but in the professional world outside of college, um, I've definitely experienced it. It is actually easier if you are either a good teammate or you are a good leader, uh, to make that environment, uh, again, to say most productive. Sure. And, and I also think on, on, whenever we would be doing a project in college, uh, I feel like that kind of gave us a good sense for time management because yes, it could have been like just four of us who were all friends just trying to shoot a video or doing Wyman or something like that. Uh, and we were having fun getting everything done, but we knew that we had to be productive because we were still students and it's like, okay, I have to go home and write a 12 page paper on whatever tonight. Everyone had to do something like that. Yeah, everybody had an, uh, a hard out at some point. And so I feel like that kind of gave us And I was some... the worst instigator. Sorry? I, I Sorry, I, I was the worst instigator of that. I feel like, <laughs> especially for Y-Men, uh, I was, I I mean, in many in many ways, we worked together very well. Uh, but in, in, in more ways than, than that, you know, I would uh, perhaps make a funny uh, joke or something that would maybe bring some of our actors or some of the other people on set uh, onto tangents where we would laugh a lot and, and Jacob would have to come <laughs> in and say, all right, all right, all right, I, let's get back to it. And, you know, and those are the fun memories to look back on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think that, you know, even if we did get on tangents at some points, it did help us like get the tools uh, to working in real life where, you know, people still have time constraints, but it's not as uh, strenuous, I guess is the word, as, yeah. you know, yeah. I have this class and then this class and then I have this hour block to shoot and then I have to go write this paper and things like that. I think it made us more aware of time uh, and how sensitive that can be. That's true. But the other, the other side of that is that we were able to choose the people we wanted to work with, whereas outside of college or outside of that atmosphere, outside of that that place in in the world um you don't necessarily get to choose who you're working with and that that brings a whole nother level of uh 
compatibility and, and, and collaboration sure. and stuff like that, that you don't always have, you don't always get. And that's just the truth about working with other folks. Yeah. And, right? and that can be kind of a, a double-edged sword because, you know, if, if you don't know each other that well, that means then the banter process or the, the banter side of things where you're getting on tangents might be a little less apparent, but also it is good to have a, right, a right. set where, you know, you're comfortable with each other and you're able to have a lighter atmosphere. Yeah. I'm doing those kinds of things. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. I love it. So, okay. So Jacob, uh, I'm wondering, uh, so in your experiences, uh, specifically with writing, but it can also be with, you know, video and, and audio editing or whatever. Uh, can you talk about, you know, writing solo? I guess this is sort of what we were talking about before, but uh, working solo versus working in groups and sort of being, does the groups hold you accountable or does the groups make you distracted? Uh, I, th- I think it's a bit of both. Honestly, I think I distract myself more than other people uh, because, it, like you said, the word accountable. Uh, like, I think, I think I mentioned it in the first episode uh, of the podcast where we were writing uh, an episode of the mockumentary series at Junietta called Staff Only uh-huh. uh, that we never shot, but it would, there was probably four of us writing that. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to just get together in uh, one of those conference table rooms and just think of funny jokes to write and, and you know, structuring out the episode, the comeback episode for Staff Only that uh, never came back. <laughs> um, but... Uh, that was good because it was, you know, having other people around, it kind of forced me to take on the leadership role of, okay, let's get things moving a little bit, right. you know, not trying to, you know, do like be the workhorse kind of thing, but, you know, just trying to egg us along. I think other having other people around helped put that in me. Whereas when I'm writing by myself, that's definitely a little bit harder for me because, uh-huh. You know, there's no one right next to me that can see when I open a new tab and, you know, watch Saturday Night Live montages (laughs) or compilations or things like that. Uh, And so that that can be tough. And I think a part of that is also dependent on, you know, the atmosphere of the room that you're working in. Like, I mean, a lot of us are working from home uh, a lot. And so, you know, working in your own house has its own... Oh advantages my. and disadvantages exactly. where it's like oh hey my ps4 is right over like two steps away right down and yonder. i could so easily just go grab it yeah, yeah. and yeah. uh well, that, so yeah. it, it, there is that tricky balance of of you know setting the atmosphere whether it's you know having background music or mm-hmm. uh you know sitting in a place that's uh you know kind of isolated or things like that it's kind mm-hmm. of a, a delicate balance to strike now, are you a natural procrastinator? Uh, like for me, in my experience with procrastination is uh, if I don't act on the urges of creativity that I have every once in a while, then then procrastination will always take hold and I will procrastinate a lot longer and hold back on creating things if I don't act on that urge of creativity. And a lot of times, depending on the environment I'm in, the space I'm in, uh, those spaces can be either more conducive to uh, being productive or, or the other way around. Uh, the space can actually lead me to not be productive because there are other things that I could, I can easily do like sit on the couch and watch Netflix or watch YouTube or something like that. What, what is your experience with, with that? 
that that's tricky because uh, I mean I I would inherently say yeah I'm probably a natural procrastinator, but there are things like like for loser we talked about my project loser last week. Yeah. Uh, there I'll have moments just you know out in the wild as it were, uh, where I have an idea for how to transition to the next scene or how the next scene plays out or something like that. And I'm not around my laptop, so I can't, you know, open up my oh. doc and you can't write it right advantage. then. You can't so I just advantage. have a piece of paper. Yeah. I, I take advantage in a sense because I have a piece of paper and then I like right. write everything out and I'm like, okay, I'll get to that when I get home. And then yeah. I get home like four yeah. hours later and I just don't have the energy. Oh. <laughs> and yes, so I, totally I, you know, I end up just watching yeah. YouTube or Netflix or or whatever, just, just going back to that. So yeah, it is it is kind of a tricky thing because you know going to bed and thinking, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna write five pages and then I'm gonna mm-hmm. go off to work or or do something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I actually wake up and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna play some Nintendo Switch right before right. I go to work. And it's like, yeah, it, it's it's tough. Aren't there aren't there studies now? I'm I'm not coming to this podcast with enough background information on this, but aren't there studies to show that like if you sit down and for the first fifteen minutes you make yourself do something and get your brain working, that actually like those fifteen minutes are the hardest fifteen minutes. Uh, but if you actually sit down and actually yeah. start doing something, then your your brain starts getting kicked into gear and and the creative juices start flowing. And, uh, have you have you experienced that? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Because we've talked about also my my cork board where i would map out my story ideas right and it would be i I think it often leads with you know i'm just gonna clean my little desk area because i stare at it and it's you know a little disorganized so i want to get back get it to a place where i can work and then i spend 10 minutes cleaning it up micro yeah and then once i clean it up i can sit down and actually get stuff done right and and then Especially when it is something we've mentioned this a little bit, I think, uh, where I'm writing it down instead of, you know, looking at a screen, then sure. I can start to, uh, you know, get more ideas out and then pin them up on the board and things like that. Uh, and then the print and then when I was writing the first bits of Loser for the first episode, I, I jammed out that first those first 10 pages uh, in a night. Oh, and yeah. then I, yeah. I just kind of hit a wall. Yep. Yeah. And and yep. so it is kind of, I think, I don't know what that study is or if it exists. So I can't help you out there. But I think <laughs> there's something to that sentiment, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do think there is something to the idea of, you know, spending that first 15 minutes pushing to get started. And then it, it kind of loosens the gears a little bit. Wait, right. I don't think you want gears loosened. You know what I mean. I, I don't uh, here. I don't know if this is the correct. This is definitely not the correct context for this analogy, but it's probably like a glass ceiling, right? Where you have to take the effort to swing and break the glass because you know what the final product looks like, or at least should look like, right? And you can see the the glass ceiling. You can see through it. You can see on the other side of it. Uh, right. But you have to take yeah. the time and energy with, a, you know, effort and force to break through that. And I think that that's kind of what sure. we're, we're looking at right now. Now, sometimes and this is sort of a productive thing that can help me break that is uh, if I am not able to I'm just I'm just not feeling creative. A couple of things that I do uh, is actually just listen to music. So so th- I have a story about when I was in Germany 
um, studying abroad and I didn't have my equipment everywhere I went. I really wish that I brought my camera and stuff and I just didn't. I just I thought it wasn't needed <laughs> and I totally regret it the day after I landed in the, in the country. But I continued to learn and I wanted to be productive even though I couldn't in the, the same capacity as I wanted to be because I didn't have the equipment. So the first thing that I would do is I would actually create a playlist, curate a playlist of really cinematic or good film music that I would just constantly listen to. And since I was in Germany and I was experiencing these really different ways of life and new people and all of this really cool stuff, I was able to, you know, listen to this music and experience these things. And of course I was by myself a lot of the times. And so I was in my own kind of world and I would start to create a somewhat of like a picture. Like if I had a camera in my hand and I was going to shoot a video about this, how would it look? What shutter speed would I use? What angles would I get? Even, and this is kind of weird, but this is the creative me speaking, uh, because I'm sure I was a funny looking dude out there pretending I was shooting a video without a camera, (laughs) but this was my brain getting ready to like jump from not having a camera to when I get back home to have my camera, how would I do this? And yeah, having that, that like cinematic music, like getting you super excited to, to film something. I mean, that was sort of that sledgehammer or sledgehammer breaking that glass, uh, allowing me to jump through. Uh, so that's just, a little sure. thing that that I did when I was uh, in Germany. Yeah, I think there there is something about you know the th- just doing something that sparks you know that creative side of you, uh, kind of just loosens everything else up, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of a, a similar uh, form of you know just sitting down to write for fifteen minutes and then uh, the yep. wheels start turning. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I have a similar thing. I I have a writing playlist. Uh oh, yeah. Although it's 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 troublesome because, you know, it's a lot of music I like, but then sometimes I can't put music I like too much in there because then I just want to listen and sing along or something. Oh, you know, yeah. it, it's yeah, that kind yeah. of tricky balance. That's why I I've also done that like doing film scores or or game music and things like that. Things that don't have lyrics but are just yeah. kind of good mood yep. setters yep. uh things that you can just put on and then and then push that away uh to focus on on getting the actual work done yeah right right and i guess like that's the big difference between writing and and you know trying to trying to plot out a film in your head is that you know different types of music may influence or completely influence uh, what you're going to be putting out on paper. So, so for me, I'm not, I'm not thinking right. about what sort of voiceover and stuff I'm, I'm throwing on the, the video until that comes. So when I'm listening to music, those words and those rhythms aren't necessarily going to have too much of an impact. Of course, there's going to be the tone and the mood of the video I'm going for. Uh, but, but for someone like you, who's actually creating a script and actually using, you know, the language that is in some of these songs, it might be interesting to see how much that influences uh, your work. Yeah, I, I do remember there is a there is a bit in Why Men. It's the opening sequence uh-huh. uh, where we mentioned I, I mentioned my definitely not procrastinating a couple weeks ago was uh, the All Together, right? Uh, who allowed me to use a couple of their songs in the Why Men. Uh, there's that song Five Minutes. Uh, when I was originally writing the script, uh, I actually had there's a song from it's Captain America Civil War. Uh-huh. It's the song that pops up when they introduce Spider-Man. 
It's Left Hand Free by Alt J. It's just kind of, you know, it's a it's a poppy, upbeat song. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh I just I liked it and that was the vibe I wanted to have for that uh intro sequence for the the title credits and things like that. And so uh I just wrote in the script like a song a la left hand free by Alt J. Right, uh, and then right. my advisor was like, make sure you, you don't use anything you don't have permission for. And I was like, don't worry. I know and that's just the, the, the vibe that I wanted to set. So yeah, there right. is that kind of thing where, you know, the music I listen to does, can have that kind of impact. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and I don't want to take away the fact that when you find a piece of music that really works well for the story, that piece of music can be ultimately fully cohesive with the words that are being said on the screen or the acting that's being said or even the shots. So I don't want to take away from that. I just, I think that's, that's fascinating that, you know, you listened to a song, you knew that the, the mood that that song was going to bring, uh, to the story. Uh, and you built that opening scene kind of around that mood and around what could have been that song. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so let's move on actually to sort of the organization and planning. So sort of like the file management stuff. How do you how do you work your stories with storyboards, shot lists, stuff like that? So uh, in your experience, uh, what I know we've talked about uh, softwares and stuff, but can you talk about your file management system? Maybe you don't mention the corkboard. I mean, every single episode you mention the corkboard, <laughs> but it's it's up to you. Listen, it's the thing I see every single day, so it's always I on my love mind. It. I love it. <laughs> corkboard on my uh, mind but yeah That's the so next song next song you're gonna sing corkboard on my mind a corkboard on my <laughs> is it a ballad i have no idea our, our, our musicians out the there corkboard? yeah our musicians out there yeah. we, we've got an idea for you hit us up ask yeah, write, me a, write me a love com. song about corkboards yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i do i think uh that stage of the process, the doing storyboards and, and uh, shot lists and things like that, that's kind of the organization stuff that helps me in the onset uh, environment to make sure that it is productive. That's kind of the, the main thing there. Uh, I mean, I'm not good at storyboards. You know, I just do stick figures. Yeah, uh, me too. And that's fine. I, you know, they always say you don't have to do more than that. And by well, they, shout out to Fisher. I mean me. Uh, right, 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 right. yeah, Fisher is on a whole other level. Whole other <laughs> uh, level. I, I just have some stick figures and then I just write, you know, like wide shot above it or yep, whatever yep. I think it's going to be. Yep. Uh, but for the most part, most of my stuff comes in, in the form of shot lists where I like to plan out every single shot that we are going to need. So, okay, this night we're shooting this scene, so we're going to need the establishing uh, shots of the, the outside of the house and then the interior. We're going to do a two shots of two people having a conversation where they're both in frame and then we'll do one person's in frame and then the other just to cover both angles for that. And I like to right. plan ahead for all those kinds of things so that we're able to, you know, go hit by hit at, without you know, having that question in my head, like, oh, did we get everything? Uh, let's think about it. You know, I think it's good. Let's just pack it up and go home. I like to, you know, have that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all in my mind. And I'm sure you, you're you similar because you, you talked about last week, you know, you're planning ahead for uh, all, those, all these projects and weddings that you're shooting uh, right. towards the end of the year. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you're really interested, take a listen to last week's episode. It was a solid, solid episode. But yeah, I, I like to plan. Uh, I like planning and knowing what shots I have to get. I mean, especially for weddings and stuff like that, you know exactly what you need to get every time. No matter what the bride and groom says, you have to get those shots because they want it. They just didn't verbally tell you that they want it. Uh, for instance, like first kiss, <laughs> right? And the dances and stuff like that and cutting the cake. Unless they don't actually have that in the wedding, you have to get it. Uh, it's just, the, you just have to. Right. It's part It's part of the deal. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of, it's like, it's not even, at this point, it's not even uh, like writing it out on paper. I got to get the shots, even though I do that to make sure I feel good uh, and know I need to get them. But it's like in the back of your head, you already know exactly what you have to get. But I kind of want to go off a tangent of what you said earlier about, uh, you know, when you were doing your filming of, of the different sequences and stuff in the room. So that brings me back to, um, actually, I may ruin a lot of TV shows for you right now, now that I'm going to bring this up, but my favorite <laughs> thing to do, my favorite thing to do in, in watching TV shows outside of, you know, following the story and stuff is, you know, seeing what shot sequences they use for dialogue situations, right? And a lot of times, just this is going to ruin a lot of shows because they're kind of bad at it. But a lot of times, if they're doing the over the shoulder shot and the person is speaking uh, who's who's out of the shot, like they're not being focused on, you'll notice that a lot of times that the lips uh, and their speaking doesn't match up to the voice. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, I noticed once that you as well. Catch that, yeah. <laughs> once you catch that the first time and you start looking for it, it completely ruins every single show and movie because you know that that was a shot that they missed or, or they just needed a better voiceover. They didn't, the boom didn't pick up good audio or whatever. And it just, it, oh, right. Yeah. It ruins, it ruins them. But don't look out <laughs> for that. I didn't need to bring that up to ruin, ruin anything for you. <laughs> it's a little late for that. It sure is. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I do that all the time. And uh, that's the kind of thing that, you know, we like to think about before we shoot. Right. Uh, and I think. Do it, you know, having that kind of prep work ahead of the actual shoot or being on set uh, helps with that environment. Uh, and we'll talk about, you know, keeping it lighthearted a little bit uh, more and just, you know, the communication between your team members. But I think having that uh, work ethic before the actual shoot uh, to make sure you show up with a plan uh, is yes. a big part of, you know, Huge. making sure that the the environment is as productive as possible. And if you're working in a professional field, I mean, that makes you professional. That makes people want to work with you. If you've got a plan and you know yep. exactly what you, even if you're kind of BS in it, but you know, you, you give off that, you know what you're doing and you can still create a, a professional high quality product, whether that's a story, uh, whether that's a video or whatever you're making, part of it is show. Because it's a you are selling yourself uh, and your your marketing materials that you can create to to a person that hopefully is going to purchase it right or you already have a yarn contract or something. But but the other part is yeah. yes, I'm going to show you that I can do this and it's going to be professional. So I completely I completely agree with that and and that's part of being yeah. transparent right and that's part of having good communication whether it's communication with your teammates or communication with with the uh, with your clients or whatever yeah that's the the acts like you belong kind of mentality yeah which which if you struggle with that listen to our imposter syndrome uh, episode uh, whether or not that answers any questions it probably doesn't uh, but uh, it's a good episode 
Um, yeah. If you listen to it, you'll help us feel better. Yes. And make us feel do. like we belong. Yes, <laughs> During our break, we just wanted to thank everyone for their support and kind words since we started this podcast. We've been having a lot of fun putting it together, and it makes it that much better when we hear from you. And that's why we want to encourage you again to keep interacting with us through our email, askwtd at gmail.com. If you have any topic suggestions or questions for us, just send them in and we'll answer and shout you out on the show. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it. So on the topic of, you know, the communication and the onsite environment, we actually have a question uh, that came into us that relates to that. Uh, so this is from Jeremy from Seattle. He says, this year I'm working on a short film as my senior capstone with some friends. I want to step up and be a leader to make sure we finish on time with the best possible result while also creating a fun set to work on. How do I navigate the relationship between being friends with the cast and crew versus being the quote unquote boss? Uh, Nate, any initial reactions wow. to that? Well, my first reaction is, Jacob, are you Jeremy? <laughs> uh, because two years ago, I think you were Jeremy. So so how to be a good leader. Yeah, yeah, right? it's pretty relatable. Right, right. So yeah. how, how to be a good leader uh, or team, team member. Well, it's a lot of the stuff we talked about before. But like I said, being a good leader means delegating correctly. It means having good communication, being transparent, and uh, creating the things that are going to help you be productive and your team be productive. So if that means shot lists, if that means storyboards, if that means that you have to take the extra time to create uh, extra documentation so that your team members or the people you're working with know exactly what's going to happen, that that is being a good leader or that is being a good team member. Getting the, the work done uh, as a high quality work that you can give. Uh, I mean, that's, that's important. So in, in Jeremy's uh, situation, I mean, you can speak probably best to it, Jacob, because of your own, um, your own why men experience on campus. But I mean, yeah, it's difficult sometimes, especially if someone like Nate is working on your project and all they want to do is have fun. <laughs> I mean, being the boss means being the boss. Yeah. Especially, you know, when, there's a Nate and there's also a Jacob, another Jacob and an Evan and an Owen who all live in the house that we're shooting in uh, and are in the scenes. Yeah, it can complicate yep. things. But, yeah, I think that that uh, comes back to, you know, the so just to get into the idea of transparency, I think something that's big is setting expectations with your team, with the cast and yes. crew, right uh, with your bat. friends. Uh, so, uh, you know. Uh, I did a read through a table read, uh, before we started shooting, shooting anything. Uh, and so we had basically the whole cast and crew, uh, come in and we sat down and read through the whole script. And then I talked about, you know, how the schedule, how the scheduling was going to work out. I didn't have a hard schedule for the full, you know, two month shoot or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I told them it would be a week by week thing. And then I'd, I'd email the full cast and crew uh, saying, hey, this is what time you need to be here. And then this is uh, these are the scenes that we're going to be doing and things like that. Uh, it was I think it's just so important to, you know, set those expectations of 
this is how the schedule is going to go. And these are the things we need to accomplish. Uh, and it is, you know, a little easier in my scenario. I don't know what Jeremy's project is, is going to be. But when Y-Men is, you know, a comedy, it is easy to maintain that kind of lighthearted atmosphere. Right. But but there are the moments where, you you know, maybe you're doing a horror or like have more heavy dramatic scenes or, or something like that. It is important to try to maintain a, that lighthearted atmosphere, even when you're doing those more dramatic scenes, uh, just to, you know, help put everyone at ease, uh, including the actors, especially the actors who are, you know, pouring their hearts out in a sense right, right. <laughs> on camera and have to do it take after take and things like that. Uh, so I, well, I, I think just, back. you know, okay. sorry, sorry. I, I, I just, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because I think this is, this leads to an interesting talking point where I don't think it matters. I don't think the worry is the type of video being created. So it doesn't matter between a comedy or a horror. That that will depend on the actor's skill, right? To be able to switch from character on and off. Sure. I think the real thing is is being mature as a leader and and keeping, like for instance, you want to keep the set light. But what happens if your best friend, who's also on set, comes late to to the shoots every single time, right? How can you keep that friendship strong? Uh, and have a productive shoot, right? I think that's more the step that we're looking at uh, in, in in difficulty of, of navigating friendship versus being uh, being a leader. Yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting point to bring up. Uh, you know, I don't think we had too many issues like that for Y-Men, but, you know, I, I did have experiences with that kind of thing with the video production team. Right. Where maybe there would be someone who kept showing up to late to meetings or, or you know, just wasn't putting in the work that they needed to on a certain project or just something like that. And and that's the same kind of uh, transparency and communication where, it, you know, you need to establish boundaries. Right. Uh, and so so that makes it, you know, a little bit better of a dialogue for you to, you know, take that person aside and say, Hey, we need you to show up on time because there's, you know, a lot of us coming here every day and sacrificing our time to put out this product that we all want to be as good as possible. Uh, but you coming late, you know, it lessens our ability to achieve that goal. And I think establishing those rules or, or not rules, but, you know, communicating the expectations, uh, kind of allows for a better dialogue mm-hmm. to happen mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. someone is showing up late or something like that. Right. Right. Um, and, and and the fact that yeah. you, this was your like senior capstone. So when we're talking about your project versus, you know, Jeremy's project, which is also looks like a senior capstone, you have chosen the folks that you want to be working on your team. Those people are near and dear to you. I mean, they're good friends, right? And, and they want you to succeed because you're getting graded on this but it's also a passion project and as friends who agreed to jump on board uh in creating your passion passion project there's a sense of we won't we will do our darndest to let you down and so i think that's why why men worked so well is because of the relationships that we had prior to the project and the fact that as a leader you were able to say you know, this is what we have to do. And especially after your hard drive broke, I mean, the the distress coming from you meant that 
us as a team, the actors and the folks uh, uh, who were you know doing the audio and the in the shooting and stuff had to step up and and re uh, allow you to think that this project could be completed. And so I think that's that is a true leader, and that's a true team member. Sure. Uh, well, well, thank you for you know kind words. Uh, I do think that that also brings up a in another interesting point in you know maybe if if you're if Jeremy is working with friends on this capstone project, uh, the idea of uh, giving feedback yes. to people that you you care about and value their opinion yes. and things like that. Uh, and, you know, we, we plan on talking about, you know, the, uh, the whole idea of giving and, and taking constructive criticism and, and things like that. Uh, but just to touch on it briefly, it, it is important to I think it is important. And, and this, you know, will vary depending on the person. But to me, it's better to approach giving feedback as coming at it as a collaborator and just two people who want the best possible product as opposed to this is my vision, this is how I want it to be, and kind of being a dictator, I guess, in that right. regards. You know, if if you're working with an actor uh, who is a friend of yours, uh, or even, you know, if, you're, if they're not your friend, this is just kind of a common courtesy thing, I think, of taking them aside and saying, instead of maybe you're not getting the reaction from something that you want, just, mm-hmm. you know, trying to have a conversation with them that leads them to the place that you want to be, as opposed to saying, you know what, instead, do this. Right. Do this, uh, try this instead, uh, instead right. of what you're doing. And I think it's just important to, uh, you know, keep it as uh, as a conversation as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, a telling off, I guess. Right, right. And, and, that, and that's where that conversation can be very difficult, but that is when true leadership is shown. And it also, it also brings up the, the question of if this persists, do I need to find somebody else to take over this job? Because in the end, the project has to be completed and it has to be done to your liking and the highest quality possible. And if somebody can't be that team member or can't see the vision that way, uh, unfortunately, and this happens all the time, unfortunately, uh, it, sometimes collaborations don't work out. And that's that's the difference between, you know, uh, working with someone uh, versus uh, working, obviously working against them. And it also has to deal with being, uh, you know, happy on set versus being unhappy and dealing with people who are continually unhappy with what they're producing and you can see it in the final project which is um sometimes very unfortunate sure yeah so so i I guess if if we're going to sum this up for jeremy uh i guess my my parting words would be the communication is key and setting expectations uh i i think that will help uh avoid any issues with you know, productivity on set or, you know, a, a collaborative environment, uh, you know, just having that communication and setting those boundaries will, will help you, uh, a lot. Uh, and if you do need to end up, you know, giving feedback or, uh, you know, talking to someone who's unhappy, you know, just to try to approach it in an understanding and, uh, collaborative conversational way. I, I guess that, that would be my, Right. My parting words. What about yeah. you, Nate? 
Yeah, I think in, in, in all of that is so true. Definitely listen to that and remember to have fun because a lot of times uh, when you are having a blast with your friends, you're going to remember these moments just as much as you're going to remember the final project or product. And yeah. when you are having fun on set, a lot of times that can translate to a higher quality uh, higher quality film or a higher quality story because some of those tangents and some of those funny moments can actually work really well uh, into and integrate into the story. And so definitely go for it because a lot of the a lot of the times Jacob and I were working together on set along with the other folks who were on the set. I mean, we just had a blast. And you know what? That was that is a film, a short film that although I had a very limited role in, uh, I am so proud to have been a part of it. So, uh, again, yeah, just have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, we hope your, your, uh, project goes well, Jeremy, uh, yeah. keep us updated if you, if you can, I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah. All right, Jacob. So we're definitely not procrastinating now. Uh, what did you do this week, uh, that you definitely did not procrastinate? Uh, so this is another TV show, uh, one that I don't think I've ever actually told you to watch or any of our, uh, friends, not I in the same it. way as I, I, I yell at everyone to watch Barry. Okay. Um, so it's, uh, this is a show on FX, uh, and is on Hulu to stream right now called what we do in the shadows. Oh and yeah, so, no, you have Yeah. It. So, so this is a, a show that's based off of a movie, uh, that was written, produced, directed by uh, Taika Waititi and uh, Jermaine Clements uh, of uh, Flight of the Concords. I believe the other guy from Flight of the Concords also had a role. Uh, I don't remember his name offhand. I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, Taika Waititi uh, directed it, who you might know from Thor Ragnarok or Jojo Rabbit. He directed those as well. Um, but they made it into a show a couple of years ago, and it's a mockumentary about uh, vampires who are hundreds of years old living in this creepy mansion in, uh, I think it's like Long Island or Staten Island or something. Uh, and it's it's just so funny. It's just them living in the normal world, uh, and it's, it's definitely worth a watch. I don't want to spoil it too much because there are just a lot of funny moments. You know, you're just following these vampires and uh their familiar assistant who's just a normal human but wants to become a vampire and and they introduce like you know werewolves and then there's a main character who's an energy vampire who is just a normal dude uh but works in an office and just drains people's like happiness and emotion it's a really funny show it's on hulu uh it's only two seasons so far uh i they were probably going to put out a season three last summer, uh, but COVID probably delayed everything. Um, but they are, you know, going to keep going. Uh, it's a really good show. I highly recommend it. Hmm. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. How about you, Nate? Yeah. So uh, I actually picked up a book. This is kind of funny. I picked up a book. I'd never heard of the author. Uh, and it turns out the book is a memoir. Uh, and the author talks about all the books he's written. And I hadn't read any of the books. So anyways, I read it uh, because the back says, uh, and this is the author, Wilbur Smith has lived an incredible life of adventure. He's been attacked by lions and had close encounters with deadly reef sharks. And then he goes on to say a couple of the other things. So of course that's intriguing right off the bat. And then I start reading and it turns out it's just a memoir and he talks about the 20 plus books he's, he's written. Uh, but uh, at the very end of the book, the very end of the memoir, he starts talking about writing in his... Um, 
his relationship with the books he's he's written and the the characters in his stories. And I actually want to read uh, a part. This is actually two pages from the end. And and I think this sentence uh, that he writes uh, is very true and can uh, be pretty much used uh, for a lot of other things other than writing novels. So so here here it goes. Uh, he he says. Uh, I am proud uh, to see myself as a link in a, ch- uh, a great chain of storytellers going back to classical myth and beyond. It has often been said that every plot has already been written, that there is nothing new, and I'm a firm believer that, that, that this is true. Across the years, I have drawn from classical conflicts, but what every new writer must do is put a unique interpretation on the elemental plots set them in a new age, and give the protagonist fresh conflicts to resolve. Being steeped in the stories of the past is the best education a novelist can have. And so instead of saying novelist, that could go to anyone, any creative out there. And I think that's important because a lot of times we've talked about how, you know, especially in music and and, and in other things, of course, this is going back to our our episode with Evan, um, but in originality, uh, but I think that's so true that there are so many events and so many things that influence our lives that so many other creators have experienced and and it gets put into their work. And we just, each one of us has a very special uh, twist that we can add. And I thought that was really awesome that I read this, this memoir, not knowing any of the books, not knowing about any of the adventures hmm. uh, or even the author and was able to go all the way to the last couple of pages and find this this couple of sentences that really resonated with me, and so uh, that was that was a weak read, and uh, it was it was definitely not procrastinating. Nice, that's awesome. What what's the name of that book again? Uh, it's uh, I, I actually I didn't think I, I don't even think I said the title. It's uh, by Wilbur Smith. Um, it's called On Leopard Rock: uh, A Life of Adventures. Nice. I'll have to look him up. Yeah. All right, Nate. Where can the people find you? All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Nate Ulrich 16, N-A-T-E-U-L-R-I-C-H-1-6. All right. How about you, Jacob? You can find me on Twitter at the Jacob Novak. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punchdeck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.